Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3. We want to go ahead and try to finish this message that we started last Sunday um, on Christian parenting. Christian parenting. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. We'll read just this one verse. And um, actually what we'll do is uh, read Colossians 3.21 and then also Ephesians 6.4. Uh, we'll look at both of these verses here because we are kind of going through those two. And uh, if you would join me in standing as we read this, uh, these two verses together, starting Colossians 3, verse 21. Colossians 3, 21 simply says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And then Ephesians 6, in verse 4 says, And ye fathers, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you, Lord, uh, for allowing us to gather together tonight. And I pray, Lord, you'd um, help us uh, to, Lord, listen well, and uh, but not just be good listeners, but be good doers of your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Last well, Sunday we uh, looked at, we started this uh, message that uh, mentioned the fact that, hey, as parents who are Christians, our, the fact that we are Christian parents, we ought to, that ought to be evident, the fact that we are Christian parents in the way we raise our children, just as um, it's important for uh, husbands and wives to have a different marriage because we belong in Christ. Because we are risen with Christ, it ought to be evident in our marriage. Uh, we also talked about how the fact that children who are Christians, uh, it ought to be evident in the way that they obey their parents. Uh, it ought to be different than those who are unsaved children. And when it comes to parenting, um, our parenting needs to be different because we belong to Christ and we uh, know His Word, and His Word does give us some important instruction regarding uh, raising children. And uh, as I mentioned last uh, Sunday night, that um, you know, a lot of a lot of dads are kind of famous for trying to figure things out on their own. That they don't need the instruction manual. They can they got this. Like those things are for sissies. And then we try and try, and then we're like, okay, so where are those instructions again? Because I actually think I need those. Uh, well, here God's Word is our instruction manual, and instead of trying to figure it out and making all the mistakes and then realizing, oh, I probably should have consulted the instruction manual first, um, here tonight and last Sunday night, we have tried to go through some instructions that God has uh, given regarding parenting, regarding raising children. And we, I am not an expert on this. Other than I do know what the Bible says, I have not been 100% consistent in what the Bible says in our own home. Um, I, I strive to be, but I, I know that we fall short. So I know as our children uh, listen to this message, they're like, yeah, well, that's not always 100% true in our own home. And that's, that's to my shame. We do try. We, we do strive for um, obedience here, um, but it's not. we're not perfect for sure. And we're not the experts. Um, we 
do, we only have one adult child, and uh, you know sometimes he doesn't quite act like an adult yet. Um, so, but anyway, uh, speaking of, be be praying for Seth. He is in Uganda right now on another missions trip, and uh, they're getting ready to start their missions conference there in Uganda. And they had they have some important big outreaches this week, um, but. Uh, I'm thankful for um, the children that God's given to us. We have made plenty of mistakes along the way, um, but still, uh, God's Word gives us some good instruction, and I'm thankful for every time that we have tried to do it according to God's Word, and uh, God has blessed His Word when we decide to obey it. All right, so we talked last week, first of all, um, the first priority of Christian parents, as mentioned here in the book of Colossians and in Ephesians, first uh, it says, do not provoke. And Paul mentions it in both of these passages, which underscores the importance of not provoking our children to wrath and to anger. And we looked at several ways in which we can uh, provoke our children to wrath. We talked about neglecting, ignoring children, abusing them, uh, constantly finding fault with them, refusing to listen to them, being too permissive in their lives, demanding too much of them, having, un having constant unresolved marital or parental discord or conflict. And uh, I parked it there a little bit and said, look, the greatest gift that you can give your children is a strong marriage, is when mom and dad love each other and they talk nice to each other, they get along, and it's uh, joyful in the home. That creates tremendous security. And I, I mentioned the fact that when I was a teenager, my my parents were struggling. They were, we weren't sure, my brother and I were not sure if they were going to make it. And, and my dad came to us and said, we're going to work this out. We're going to make it. And I'm thankful that they did that. And uh, they were faithful. They stayed together uh, till death do, do them part. That's what happened. Uh, my dad was there and he was holding my mom's hand as she took her last breath. And uh, my dad was there and I'm thankful that they worked out their um, some of the struggles and issues that they were dealing with. And, um, you know, it, it, one great way to provoke your children to anger and wrath is to have a marriage that um, is, not, is not happy and, and all of that. And um, I also talked about, um, I, and, and this kind of was a weird, uh, it kind of fit in the message weird, and um, I talked about um, having children come between mom and dad. And uh, I shared a story about Luke um, when he was a baby and he was in our room. And I didn't give all the details and it kind of, and, and, and so I need to explain that and clarify a few things here. Um, so Luke was about oh, two or three months old and he'd been, um, we, we, we did let him stay in our room in the bassinet. And um, for a while he, he did okay, but then uh, he developed this little habit of wanting to be uh, held at, uh, you know, two, one, two, three in the morning. And, um, you know, I, I get that. Um, I, I want to be held at one, two, three in the morning. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, but, 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 but Luke, you know, he wanted, he was not content to just be fed and all of those things. He really just wanted to be in our bed 
And so at that time, my wife was like so tired being a mom and all that. She would just, you know, okay, well, let's come in and I need to get some sleep. This kid needs to get some sleep. Eric needs to get some sleep because if we don't do this, the kid's going to just cry and cry and cry. So she would bring Luke into our bed. And this was happening for a while. And uh, finally, I was like, you know what? This kid's taking over this bed and that is not okay. So one time uh, he started crying at one o'clock in the morning and, uh, you know, and I was like, we're not having this anymore. This is not working. So that's when I took him downstairs and uh, told Julie he's going to cry it out in the crib that we have downstairs and uh, we're just going to go to sleep here. And she was reluctant, but uh, she fell asleep and because uh, she was so tired and moms are always tired. And so that's kind of how that happened. But the, the point is, it, it's not healthy for children to constantly be in mom and dad's bed. Um, now, we've had um, our kids, even to this day, when they get sick, they'll come into our room. They won't come to my side of the bed, praise the Lord. But they come, they come, to, they come to Julie's side, and, and they'll say, I'm really sick. And, and so she'll get a couple blankets out and set it beside the bed. And, uh, you, know, we're not, you know, I'm not trying to say that we're, uh, you know, hard and cold to our kids. We, we love them. But at the same time, they know that mom and dad's bed is mom and dad's bed. And they're not going to come between the two of us. And so that's why I shared that story, and I did not do a good job explaining that last Sunday. And I don't know if I did too much better tonight, but that's a little more to the story there. But, uh, but children do not belong between mom and dad. And I've known that, that there's been several um, parents that I've heard about um, if from all throughout my ministry who, who have said, you know, yeah, my, my kid just can't, can't sleep in their own bed. They, they need to sleep with us. And I'm like at what point is this going to end? At what point are you going to say, okay, you're now 25 years old. It's probably time for you to get your own bed. Okay? Like, at what point? And so I just want to encourage uh, parents, especially with younger children, to not, uh, you know, once in a great while is understandable, but, but when it becomes a pattern and those kids just will not sleep in their own bed, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a healthy thing for your marriage. And again, your marriage, having a good, solid, godly, healthy uh, marriage is so very important in providing a secure uh, loving environment for your children to grow up in. And so that's why I shared that. And uh, again, I didn't do a good job last week or even this week. But um, yeah, so, so somebody said the greatest gift a father can give to his children is to love their mother. Amen. So dads, let's love our mom. Let's not love our moms, but their moms too. And uh, so let's, let's love our moms and their mom, okay? Look, when they know that mommy and daddy love each other, it truly creates a loving and secure home life for your children. So we do not need to, we, we need to not provoke, but secondly, uh, we do need to provide. And this is, um, I covered this first one, but I do want to mention a few more things here as we uh, wrap this thought up here. First, we need to provide spiritual instruction and leadership in the home. So Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That's that that's that part, but the second part of the verse says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
This is providing spiritual instruction and leadership in their lives. Deuteronomy 6 mentions this, and I quoted it last week. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Um, it is my responsibility as a dad and Julie's responsibility as a mom to provide this spiritual instruction and leadership in, 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 to our children. And I mentioned that we cannot delegate this to the government. Uh, we really can't even delegate it to the church, although the church is to come alongside and provide some of that. We strive to do that here at Cornerstone. We do have Sunday school classes. We have junior church. We have the Wednesday night uh, Kids for Truth Club, and we encourage scripture memory here and all of those things to help. But ultimately, mom and dad, it's your responsibility and it's mine as, as the parents of my children to provide this. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And we need to do this through our words, actively, uh, verbally, uh, talking about the truth of God's Word to our children, looking for opportunities to get truth into our children's hearts. Um, not trying to sneak it in, but just being bold about it. Um, I think even having family devotions and taking time to read God's Word, and we have not been perfect on this, but, um, but this is something, one great way to uh, impart God's Word to your children is by setting some time apart each day and, and gathering the family together and opening God's Word and reading it. It's so good. It's so important. It's so healthy when we do that. So through your words, but also through your walk, uh, we better be living what we're wanting our kids to do. If we tell our kids, hey, you need to do this, and we're not willing to do it, then there's a big hypocrisy problem. And uh, our kids, uh, as they get older, become experts at sensing that hypocrisy. And we need to walk the walk. And Abraham Lincoln said, there's only one way to bring up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel that way yourself. And that's so good. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of a few individuals, or a couple individuals in the Bible who uh, did provide spiritual instruction and direction for their families. I think of a man by the name of Noah, who God called him to build an ark, and, and, uh, and he did, and he basically said to him, hey, whoever's in that ark is going to be safe from the wrath to come. And Noah built that ark and, and, and no doubt was ridiculed in society and all the neighbors were like, Noah is weird. And uh, he owned it, I'm sure. He's like, hey, call me weird, call me whatever you want, but I'm telling you there is going to come a flood and God is going to judge this world and everybody on that boat is going to be safe. And you know who ended up in that boat? Noah's family ended up in that boat. So Noah was able to impart truth to his family, and they followed him. And, and, you know, again, he may not have been the most popular guy on the block, but he got his family into a place of safety. He made sure his family was saved. He made his make sure his family was walking in truth and knew the truth. So Noah did, and, and I think of uh, another lady in the, in the Word of God, uh, Eunice. Eunice did. Eunice and uh, her husband, we don't know the name of Eunice's husband, but he was Timothy's dad and he was a Greek. He was an unsaved man as, by all accounts. 
And yet Eunice decided that she was going to take it upon herself to impart truth to the children. And Timothy received the truth so much so that he ended up becoming a companion of the great Apostle Paul to where the Apostle Paul even said about Timothy, I have no man like-minded as this man named Timothy. And Timothy, uh, Paul wrote two special letters to Timothy. We have First and Second Timothy, the two letters written to this young man um, who was very special and, and Paul's son in the faith. But it all started because Eunice and Lois, uh, I, evidently Eunice's mom, both knew the scriptures and they imparted them to young Timothy. And that made a tremendous impact in Timothy's life. And it transitioned from Eunice's faith to Timothy's faith. So Eunice did. But not everybody in the Bible was a success in imparting spiritual instruction and direction. Uh, I think of a man who failed in this named Lot. Lot, who was a just man, who was a saved man, uh, took his family to Sodom and Gomorrah because... There was a lot of uh, financial prosperity there. I mean, uh, it was well watered, and I mean, it just looked like a bustling uh, place to bring up a family where there's a lot of great opportunities for the kids to be involved in all kinds of things, and so they did. And when it was time to leave Sodom because God was going to destroy Sodom, um, his own sons-in-laws thought he was mocking and they didn't believe him. So Lot failed to really impart spiritual instruction and direction in his family, and it ended up causing some tremendous problems for the rest of his life and beyond. And so I want to encourage us to be a Noah, to be a Eunice, and to avoid being a Lot, where all we're just concerned about is you know, all the worldly pleasure that is out there and, and forsaking and neglecting this important part of parenting, not just providing financially for our children, but providing spiritual instruction and direction, and Lot completely blew it in this one. And I'm not saying none of us are, or any of us are perfect in this, but we do need to strive like Noah did and, and Eunice. So, we do need to provide. All right, number three here, or letter B, not only do we need to provide spiritual instruction and leadership, but we also do need to provide discipline. Discipline is a necessary part of parenting. And really, dads, it's up to us to make sure it happens in the home. But when it's off and on again, it's super confusing, and when you refrain from discipline for whatever reason... Are you too tired, too busy, don't want to hurt my kid? And yet we need to remember that it is a matter of obedience to God. According to the scripture, it's also a matter of love for our children. This doesn't seem to make sense in our minds, but here's the, here's the thing. God uses discipline in the lives of his children whom he loves immensely. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So, when it comes to disciplining our children, it's not a matter of, well, that's, when I was brought up, I was disciplined in a very harsh way, so therefore I'm not going to discipline my kids at all. 
because I had a bad experience back when I was a child, so therefore I'm not going to do it. Or I just don't think I could ever spank my child because I love him so much. Okay, so you're saying that you love your child more than God loves you? Because Hebrews 12, 6 again says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Okay, Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Those who say, you know what? I know better than the Bible. I'm not going to discipline my child because I don't think uh, that's the right way to uh, correct them. I think we need to let time go and for him to learn on his own. Okay, not my words, God's word. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And the word be times doesn't just mean a bunch of times, although uh, certainly some children need it more than others. Luke, are you listening? No, I'm kidding. Um, all of our children have needed their fair amount. Um, but really, the word be times means in the morning or at the beginning. So in the early days of the child's life. Now, Luke, go ahead and come on up here. I didn't tell him I was going to do this here. Okay, Luke is now 16 years old. And I really don't want to admit this. I will admit this to you because I am your, you are my friend. You are my friend, so please don't take this out of the room. But I need to admit that in some ways this guy is stronger than me now. This happened. And so honestly, if I were to say, Luke, you're going to get spanked. He could like take me out if he wanted to. Again, I'm, I, I hesitate to even bring this up because I don't want to admit that he's stronger than me. Um, but he is. The time for spanking is over for this guy. Okay? Um, the time for spanking was when he was 15 and a half. But when, no, <laughs> okay, you can be seated. He's, he's a strong young man. And uh, I, I'm not going to, uh, those days are over. Okay, so that's why it says here, he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes in the early part of his life, when he can receive it, when it will start to uh, change the course of his life. And the Bible actually indicates that it's cruel to withhold discipline. That doesn't seem to make sense in our minds because it's hard to, uh, it's hard to administer discipline. It's hard to cause your children pain who you love so much. And yet, this is God's word. So we really need to say, we really need to come to the point where we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, by faith, decide that we're going to administer discipline um, graciously, lovingly. I remember um, when our son, Seth, I mean, he was our first child. We were brand new to parenting. He was only about three months old. And when he received his very first SWAT, I'll explain the story, and I think I have the details pretty well right on this. Um, but uh, he was in my office. I was not in my office. My wife was in there with him, and I was down in the auditorium on the computer getting the songs ready for the service. And 
um, I was down there, and there was there was a uh, an intercom phone uh, there, and I had gotten a call, and it was my wife calling. But here's what she shared with me. She said, "Eric, I just did it. I gave Seth his first SWAT, and he was like three months old. Here's here's what had happened. He had been fed, he had been changed, he had been burped." He had, it was just time for him to go to night nights and take a nap. Um, but he was throwing a royal fit in my office. And so everybody in the entire office building could hear this little baby scream his head off. And my wife was like, we've got to do something. I have done everything I thought I could do. I've fed him, changed him. I burped him, I've put clothes on him, I've laid him down, and he's crying like um, a little baby boy. And so she said, I just got him right under the diaper, lifted up the back, the leg of his diaper a little bit, and just swatted him on that, that, the top of his thigh there, right where God gave some good padding uh, for that purpose. And as soon as she did that, he kind of stopped his crying, and he kind of was like, well, that's new. <laughs> and, and she laid him down, and she said, we do not throw fits, and you're going to go night-night. And he really pretty much calmed down and, and, and fell asleep there in my office. And she called me and let me know what happened, and I was like, amen, good job, honey. <laughs> good job. Uh, and look, discipline isn't just biblical. I mean, and that is the first more important part of it all, but it, is, it also is effective. It also works. Um, kids understand that. Um, I know it's hard, but um, in Proverbs 19, verse 18, I know, I know there are some people who are like, I can't stand when my children are crying, and I don't want to ever be the cause of my children crying. Well, Proverbs 19, 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So don't let his crying cause you to not discipline. I know it's hard, but it's the right thing biblically, and it helps that child. Um, when I've shared this story, and it does leave uh, mental scars for everybody who hears it, but... Um, I will share it again tonight. When I was a young guy, my brother and I, we would not, we would kind of fight quite a bit, and, and many times that led to me getting spanked. Well, my mom uh, and I went um, garage selling one day, and or to a, I'm sorry, a thrift store, and we went thrifting, and we went to a thrift store, and they were selling these special shorts. And my mom, looked, my mom was looking at them, and I looked at them, and I thought, these look really nice. Well, these weren't just any shorts. These were, and this is going to, mental picture that you're going to wish you never had in your life. These were leather shorts. And my, my mom bought them for me. And so here's this, I don't know, I was probably, you know, 9 or 10 years old, and I had these leather shorts. And I never wore them because they were kind of nerd alert, but... One thing I discovered about these leather shorts is they had some sweet padding on them. Like they were thick shorts. And so I knew one day when my brother and I were fi fighting and my dad said, hey, 
Um, I'm going to meet you in your room, and uh, we're going to do some, I'm going to give you some discipline. So I got in there, and I was like, light bulb came off, leather shorts. So I ran to my drawer, got them out, put them on, and then my dad said, all right, bend over. And he let me have it on those leather shorts, and every whack, it was like it didn't even happen. It was amazing. And I'm like, this is the greatest invention in the history of mankind right here. Better than sliced bread or these leather shorts. Because I can do anything I want, and my parents can spank me, and it doesn't hurt one bit. But then I got, as, as he continued, I was like, wait a minute, I better start acting like it's going to hurt. Because if he's not hearing me cry, if he's not hearing me feel any pain, he's going to become wise to this thing. So I started, and my dad's like, this isn't hurting. Take him off. No. No, my plan failed. Um, but the thing is, uh, look, discipline is not something that's fun. I don't think any parent enjoys it. Um, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. That, to some point, is true. Um, sometimes uh, it was not. I, uh, but I wanted to read here a suggested process for biblical discipline when it comes to providing that. Um, because, of course, it needs to be balanced in love. It, 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 I'm not saying we need to beat our kids. When we discipline our children, we must do so in love, not, not in anger, where we're uh, causing physical harm. Uh, we do need to inflict pain, but not cause harm. Um, but here's a suggested process for biblical discipline. And again, this is from Parenting a Soul from uh, Lance, Dr. Lance Ketchum. And he says here, number one, and, and these aren't on your outline, so you'll just have to listen mainly, but uh, require a complete admission of the wrong that was done to all parties involved. If the offense was private, it should be kept between the disciplinarian and the child being disciplined. Make sure that the child being disciplined is aware that God is always one of the offended parties and that relationship needs to be made right, as well as perhaps other human relationships. So require that complete admission of the wrong. Number two, require a commitment of repentance. Repentance is a commitment to all parties involved that the offense will not happen again, that we're not going to repeat this again. Number three, genuine repentance should be accompanied by remorse. Real remorse will be evident in a person's attitude towards those offended. That remorse should be communicated to the offended parties. Um, you know, and it's rather than just feeling like, oh, I got caught and I'm in trouble and I'm mad at you for telling on me, there should be a real remorseful um, spirit towards those who they hurt. Number four, since God is always the primary offended party in any act of disobedience, Prayer should be an intricate part of the disciplinary process. So it's not just about the SWAT. It's not just about inflicting pain. There also needs to be a spiritual aspect to this where you're bringing prayer into it. Prayer should communicate to God all the things communicated to the other offended parties. And number five, the remedial aspect of the discipline can take whatever venue that is necessary to get the results sought for. Okay, correction of the character flaw that brought about the disobedience and restoration to trust and family privileges. 
Remedial discipline can be accomplished through Bible study, discussion, scolding, taking away privileges such as grounding, or if none of these other actions get the desired results, spanking. Uh, we have on many occasions grounded our children from sugar. They're not allowed to have uh, desserts, and whenever that happens, then we bring out the best desserts. Um, but we, we do ground them from sugar. Um, we do ground them from media. Um, I think that as our children get older, that is a uh, appropriate uh, way to discipline as they get older. Now, God has provided an excellent part of the human anatomy for this purpose, according to Dr. Lance Ketchum. Uh, a child should never be slapped in the face, punched, shaken, or verbally abused as such, being called stupid, retarded, or any language intended to demean his worth or importance. And that's important as parents. When we get upset when our children aren't doing what we want them to do and they start disobeying, we we, we, we got to control our own spirit in it. Number six, after the conclusion of remedial discipline, the child should be reassured that he or she is loved. Without outward communication, or with outward communication in both words and gestures, such as hugs, holding, embraces, the child should be reassured of his or her value as a person in full acceptance should be communicated in real and practical ways. And then one more, the final step in the process of disciplining a child is to give the gift of forgiveness. Fully restoring the child to fellowship with the incident put in the past to never be spoken of again. In giving this kind of forgiveness, you discipline the child to give forgiveness to others that will wrong him or her. Uh, without forgiveness, a child will become bitter, resent the discipline, and the person administering it generating further rebellion. So good, important thoughts there, and uh, hopefully this is live-streamed, and if you need to go back and listen to that part again, you can. Um, now, Eli uh, is an example of someone who completely failed to discipline his boys. Eli was doing what I'm doing, so to speak. And that day, he was a priest. He was involved in the ministry and the work of God, and, and he had boys, and he completely failed to discipline his boys. And as a result, they were godless sons of the devil who committed terrible, terrible sin. Here's what God told Samuel to share with Eli the priest regarding his boys. Um, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. See, Eli's boys, Hophni and Phinehas, um, committed horrible atrocities, and they were the pastor's kids, so to speak. Okay, they were the priest's kids, technically. But they were just horribly vile. And you can see here the word iniquity, vile, um, and all because Eli failed to provide discipline in their life, he restrained them not. So moms and dads, let's not be guilty of not restraining our children. Let's give them the discipline that they need that communicates love to them. I, I know it doesn't seem to make sense in our human minds, but biblically, when you discipline your children with love in the right way, it communicates that you care about them and you love them and you want them to go in the right way. See, Christian parents should not provoke their children to wrath 
But instead, Christian parents should provide spiritual instruction and direction, and they should provide discipline. All right, number three, very quickly here, let me try to finish these last two thoughts very quickly. Uh, number three, we need to also protect. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. We need to know the state of our family and our children and to know um, which way they're going. And part of that is protecting them from the wrong influences. Now, many dads know that it is their responsibility to protect their home. And so what does a dad do? Uh, basically, a job description of a dad is turning off lights and making sure the doors are locked every night. <laughs> and uh, that's what I do. I do that because I want to save money on electricity. And uh, but making sure the doors are locked and 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 perhaps having a, a security system, perhaps having some uh, weapons in the home, uh, and that's good to do. Uh, and uh, a lot of dads have taken lots of precautions to protect their homes, and and it's good and healthy to do that. But but can I say something tonight? While it is good and wise to protect our families from bad guys entering into our homes. It is at least equally important for us to protect our families from bad, bad influences from coming into our home as well. So, you know, I don't want bad guys coming in and, and hurting my family. Oh, absolutely not. I don't either. And, and, and we should be uh, having some measures in place so that that doesn't happen, or at least we are uh, trying to protect our families in that way. But... <coughs> If we just focus on that part of the protection and we fail to protect our children from spiritual influences that come into the home, then we are doing our family a tremendous disservice. See, moms and dads, it is our responsibility to guard the heart of our home, to make sure the things coming into our home, like any media that comes into our home, the movies, the music, the television, all the streaming services, all the video games, all the books, these are all influences that are coming into our home. And we better protect our home in that way just as much as we make sure the doors are locked, just as much as we make sure the alarm is set at night or make sure that the, um, you know, our cousin Smith and Wesson is locked and loaded and ready to go just in case. To make sure that our homes are protected and, and uh, making sure that we are guarded in that way as well. Making sure that, you know, the internet is a wonderful thing. It's so nice to be able to look things up and to know uh, what's going on and, and to have our questions answered at the, so quick. But as we all know, the internet is also a very dangerous place. And we need to make sure that we are protecting our homes from the negative influences that are out there because Satan wants your home. And he is able to do, he's a sneaky, sneaky being, and he'll get into your home any way he can. So please, parents, guard your homes. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We need to make sure that our children are not 
underneath the counsel of the ungodly when it comes to the influences that are in their lives. They're not standing in the way of sinners when it comes to the influences that are in their lives. They're not sitting in the seat of scornful when it comes to the... So do you know what music your kids listen to? Do you know what they're watching on their devices? Do you know what television pro programs they're streaming? Do you know? I said at the very beginning, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy hurts. Moms and dads, you have the right to know what your kids are texting, who's texting your kids. You better know the passwords on your kids' devices, and you better be checking them on a regular basis and making sure they're not deleting any history. You need to know these things. It would be easier if we went back... For 60 years, you know, and, and uh, where technology was not a thing, technology is a thing now, and uh, it takes a little extra vigilance on our part as parents, and we can't, avoid, can't afford to not be protecting, protecting them. I would absolutely encourage uh, a filtering-type service uh, for your Internet and all the devices. I've mentioned one of them that we use in our home, Custodio. I've mentioned it several times. There's a lot of other ones out there. But uh, guard your home. Protect your home. It is your responsibility to do that. Number four, last one here. Um, pray. Uh, you're supposed to say that. You're a preacher. And I could have, you're like, I could have come up with that one. But really, are we praying for our children? It is a biblical responsibility. We're called to pray for one another, but what more important person in our lives as uh, parents to be praying for than our spouse and our children? I think of the example of a man in the Bible who experienced tremendous um, trials and difficulties, but he was a very godly man. His name was Job. And in Job chapter 1, in verse number 5, it says this, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job had said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So Job continued to pray for his children and, and uh, beseech the throne of grace on behalf of his children. Moms and dads, are we doing that for our own children? Are we praying for them? I hope that we are. James 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, I know as parents, there's many times where it's like, how do I navigate this issue that has come up with our children? How do we deal with this? Well, pray. Pray for wisdom for yourself. Here's, a, here's some prayer requests for your children. Number one, pray for your children to be saved. And that's a number one prayer request. And again, if we have our children grow up in our homes and be you know, financially successful and be popular and famous, and they fail to get to heaven. I don't know that I would really count that as a success in my book. I, I want my children, first and all, to be saved. I don't want to prepare my kids just for life. I want to prepare them for eternity because one day, every one of us will face God and give an account for our lives. 
Whether saved at the judgment seat of Christ or unsaved at the great white throne judgment, where we will be judged according to our works. So pray for your children to be saved if they're not already. Pray for your children to have a heart for God, to love Him above everything else in this world. Pray for your children to walk in truth and to not be um, deceived by the devil and by uh, false teaching, to walk in truth. Pray for your children to be pure. And we talked about that this morning in the message today. Pray for your children that they would know and then do the will of God for their life. And pray that your children would be sensitive to the Lord and just have a tender heart for God. There's a lot of other things you could pray for for your children, but those to me are, are, are the most important ones. Pray. And it's really a non-negotiable. If we do all these things and we don't pray, then we're, we're kind of trying to do all these things in our own strength. We do need God's help, and we do need God's strength to raise our children. It's a difficult task, but it's a very wonderful task. So Christian parenting should look different than unsaved parenting. Not because we're better than unsaved people. Oh, no, because look, <laughs> the, there's nobody here better than anybody else on, on the planet. Uh, we're not better, but because of His mercy and grace, He saved us and has given us His Word, with, which provides some instruction and some practical instruction regarding raising children. So here we go. Let's do not provoke our children to wrath, and there's a lot of ways we can do so. Let's make sure that we're providing spiritual instruction and leadership. Let's make sure we're providing discipline in our homes. Let's make sure we're protecting our children, and let's make sure we're also praying for our children. Let's, speaking of prayer, let's go to prayer at this time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity tonight to... Uh, discuss this uh, very important aspect of the Christian life, and that is parenting. And Lord, many of us are in the thick of it right now. Some are just beginning. Some have already parented. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you would help us each to take the things that you've spoken to us about and apply to our homes, apply to um, our children, Help us to make sure we're not provoking them to anger and to wrath. We don't want to discourage our children. We want to bring them up instead in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We want to provide these spiritual instruction and, and to give them truth. And Lord, you've given that responsibility to us as parents. Help us, Lord, not to neglect this, not to think it's not that important. Help us also to administer discipline when needed. Lord, certainly not the most enjoyable part of parenting, but it's a necessary one, and help us, Lord, to not neglect it. Give us strength. Give us courage. Help us to have a biblical balance in it to where we um, convey love for you and love for these children. Help us, Lord, to protect our homes. Help us, Lord, to take our kids, our children's names before the throne of grace on a continual basis as Job did. Help us to do so. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.